Chopping Wood Inside Podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I'm your host, Murphy. Uh, Tom, you out there? Bonjour. <laughs> hey, what's up, buddy? Where are you? I'm are in you Montreal, Canada, speaking my like, You're in Montreal. Oh, you're speaking French. I see. Well, you're in Montreal for episode 12. Did we just get finished watching called Let's Rock? Uh, how did you watch it? Did you watch it on Hulu on your iPad? You don't even want to know the hell I went through. Let's just basically Let's just, yeah. say. What, what, talk about, how about just give us your, your first impressions of the show. Let well, I just want to give a shout out to the concierge oh, yeah. at this hotel <laughs> who gave me access to her basically, I think, like Hulu equivalent of Canada. And uh, so I was able to log in under her account to watch it. But I did slip her you know, some cash and pay for at least a couple of months of uh a subscription service for her, you know, great duty as a concierge. That's so thank great. you to the concierge here. Yeah, cheers to her. That's the reason why we're doing this today. So, okay, so we just got finished watching Let's Rock episode 12. People on Twitter were talking this might be a really crazy episode. Uh, what are your thoughts? It was not a crazy episode, my friend. Well, it was crazy yeah. in that nothing really happened, but I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> but you watched it a little earlier than I did. Um, and then you gave me a little heads up that you did not think it was uh, as mind-blowing as we all thought it was going to be. And so my expectations were lowered, I think. But I actually enjoyed this episode, except for some parts. But um, you talk about why you didn't. No, I did. I mean, I liked... Or why you, yeah. <laughs> I like. I mean, obviously, any... <laughs> Any Lynch-directed, you know, feature episode, there's always going to be moments in there that are just, you know, brilliant and great. And there were scenes in this this part that I absolutely adored and loved, especially the first half. I thought the first half had great momentum. I really, really, really loved both Sarah Palmer scenes, and I loved Jerry emerging from the woods. Um, I loved the Ben Horn and Truman scene. Uh, that was fantastic. But the second half of, of the episode, I think, just kind of got pulled down, namely for a, and I, I actually, you know, timed this, I, I got the time here, a 10 minute and 37 second scene of Audrey Horn, her first scene hey, in this new yeah, series. Everyone with wanted to see her, so. <laughs> they gave her husband, I just, that was, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that, but, um, but, and then another Roadhouse scene um, at the end with two characters who we've never met before, talking about characters who we have no idea about. I mean, they, they name-dropped like three or four characters that we have no idea. Very similar to the Sky Ferreira scene a couple episodes earlier. That was my biggest gripe of this series, or this episode, is that the Audrey scene name-dropped like five characters that we've never heard of, and that the other you're, the scene you're talking about now also name-dropped people that we've never heard of. Um, yeah, and I just think it was... You know, we've had a couple episodes, like namely like six and ten, that were a little slower-paced. And uh, and I think the preceding episodes, like five and especially eight and nine, had this momentum, just like part eleven had this momentum. And then to pull it back, um, the way that he's done, I, I kind of forgiving you know those those episodes earlier because they were still building you know the narrative, <clears throat> excuse me, the narrative and the characters, everything was still kind of building. And as you say, it's sometimes it's good in an eighteen hour like experience like this is. To kind of like have like a palate cleansing, to kind of just sit back, just immerse yourself in these you know little like you know sideways and you know just uh, tributaries. But I think now since we're getting closer to the end, and since Cooper, our, our you know protagonist as Dougie, um, is still not awoken, and we only have the six hours left to have an episode now, really like slow slow the storyline down to. I'm not saying it's a mistake, but um, it certainly <laughs> um, was uh, a little, you know, I wouldn't say disconcerting. I just, I think, okay, I'll say it. I think it was a mistake. I think, really, I think that, you know, it could have been with the, I can't remember what episode. Was it episode 10 that was only like 52 minutes long was the shortest episode so far? And then I think this one was only 54 episodes, I, 54 minutes. I think that maybe 
there should be some there could have been some more like creative editing to tighten up you know uh, those episodes with these scenes because the way they've been playing with time as well if you notice Diane in this episode I think both of her scenes which I believe take place in the same night she was wearing two different outfits so um, <laughs> what the fuck she did like 10 outfits man that's insane <laughs> I didn't notice. But we that. never saw her pack. Yeah, but no. Well, so I think, go ahead. Dude, I, think, I, just... I think in the grand scheme of things, if you look at this as an eight-hour movie, I think you're going to look back at this hour or the 54 minutes and not be so critical of it. It's just that it has it came with the expectations of being, you know, this mind-bending this mind-bending episode, and it wasn't that. So that was like a false flag from Twitter. You know, <laughs> that's our idiotic our own mistake. You know, making right. those presumptions. So it did feel actually in the grand scheme of things that it was time for a, to take a breath a little bit. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it, you know, I mean, except for the Audrey thing was a little bit not, not quite great, and I didn't understand why it was so long, um, and it didn't really seem to, I didn't understand what was happening, you know, but that was, f that was the purpose, obviously. But, uh, dude, give it a break a little bit. This is our hot takes. I bet you will like it a little better. Just like, uh, what was, which episode did I not like? Was it just... Was it, I think was it was 10. Two? The one just, yeah, I think yeah. And I like it that much better now, so I think you're going to just need to cool it, but it, you'll like it better, I think. No, I like the episode. Don't get me there wrong. There were some great. I mean, let's I, talk I, about some of the great parts. Let's talk about some of the great. Like, I well, think I just Sarah want to Palmer reiterate. Fantastic. I, I, I loved do. like yeah the assassination <laughs> with uh, you know uh, what's his name uh, uh, the the Mulholland Drive guy. I think that was really funny when they went to Wendy's. There were some great. Scenes oh, you're talking about when the Chantal and Hodge killed Warden Murphy. You know, yeah, yeah, like she was wanting to go to Wendy's and <laughs> stop <laughs> yeah. Wendy's. She was hungry. She doesn't want to torture <laughs> yeah, anyone. She's hungry. Yeah. So I like. There's a lot of stuff in this episode I like. So. Well, let's go through. through. Yeah, the top? yeah, we'll go through. But I just do want to reiterate that I do. I like the episode, but compared to the whole, you know, all like twelve that we've seen so far, um, and I watched it twice. I watched it back to back, and uh, and I, I, there are things about it that I really, really, really like. I think compared though to you know the other eleven, probably right off the bat, it's it's my least favorite, and it only only because of where it's placed, you know, because we're getting so much you know closer to the ending. But yeah, let's go ahead and start off. So we. We open the episode in Buckhorn, and there's a, a great um, uh, opening scene with Tammy, Albert, and Cole. And let me just say that all of the nighttime scenes in this episode, I think, incredible lighting. I loved the composition. I loved kind of the dark browns. Um, it's just incredible. It evoked such a great mood, and I loved this opening scene. There was some heavy exposition from Albert, yeah, we've been getting um, a lot of exposition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from uh, regarding the, the, the pretty much the origins of the Blue Rose. I mean, this is the first time we've all suspected, obviously, that the Blue Rose was um, related to some kind of supernatural element that you know the FBI was was chasing or investigating. And Albert gave like a history, and he even uh, mentioned um, the the reason why they call it the Blue Rose case because apparently some I, bl I believe some woman. Um, in one of those cases, um, who ultimately died yeah, under the line like, Blue Rose, uh, just like yeah, so that's Rose. why they name it. And then rules, so. right? And then um, I like that they made like kind of a drinking game. The story they kept like taking drinks. Right. Right. <laughs> Cheers to the corruption right. of the FBI, covering this up. Yeah, drinking a fine Bordeaux, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, but Albert, I think one of the the, the kind of really interesting. Um, anecdotes um, or pieces of information that Albert um, gave to Tammy was the um, uh, Philip Jeffries was appointed by Cole to lead this Blue Rose investigation after after the military stopped um, with the Blue Book. They went ahead secretly. The FBI and you know maybe another branch of the military kept on with this Blue Rose case. So he appointed Philip Jeffries to lead it, and then. Uh, he got two other agents, Agent Cooper, obviously, and Chet Desmond, Chet who Desmond. we have ne we have not met mentioned at all in this series so far. Who was in Firewalk with me, introduced in Firewalk with me, and ultimately disappeared. And then Albert goes, if you notice, Tammy, you know I'm the only one of these three that have you know not gone missing. So hence our reluctance to and insane, perhaps, <laughs> and to uh, take on anyone new. But basically, this was an initiation. They wanted to act. Cole and Albert wanted to ask. Tammy to join the Blue Rose Task Force. And what did she say, Murphy? 
uh, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she accepted. She said, let's, let's do it. <laughs> she didn't say let's rock, but uh, she that's right. what did she say exactly? <laughs> um, like, you want me to, I think she said, you want me to, you know, be on the team. She goes like, I'll do it. I think she said something like that, but. Uh, yeah. So and they, they toasted kind of, like, the, Yeah, they, they toasted on it. And like, uh, uh, you know, Gordon congratulated her and it feel, felt really sincere and almost kind of like a Laura Palmer moment, almost like with the curtains and the, the red curtains behind her. I was like, is Tammy Preston? Because she didn't seem like terrified of taking this job. I would be like, oh shit! Like basically everybody is, you know, taking on this the blue rose blue book thing is dead or gone insane or you know. So uh, I did have a feeling like maybe Tammy's going to end up in peril or that uh, maybe in the lodge. I don't know. Yeah, no, that was she Something. was framed. Felt like Laura Palmerish kind of like yeah. Yeah, she was framed. Uh, you know, there were the red curtains behind her, but there was also a little piece of music that played during the scene, and um, I'm guessing it was Angelo Badalamente, and I thought it was fantastic. It was very kind of haunting and moody, and it it evoked a Mulholland Drive vibe, like from the Mulholland Drive soundtrack. It was a little piece. It didn't play that long, yeah, it did but I thought it complemented the scene perfectly. And then I think Cole gets a text, which I think is the first time we've seen Cole use a cell phone. He's Whenever he's had to use a phone, I think he's used the old either rotary or, you know, um, a landline. So he gets a text saying Diane is coming, and then Diane enters the scene, uh, gets a drink, Albert pours her a drink, <laughs> And, uh, they're all just they kind of looking they, at her. They don't know, toast, though. Quiet. They don't yeah, toast. They're all yeah. quiet. Well, they kind of make her make her own drink. And uh, she's like asking for ice. She's like, well, good thing like South Dakota's in the Ice Ages or whatever. But So she makes her own drink. And I, I felt like the three of them were like scoping her out. And that she doesn't know maybe if they know. You know what I mean? Like I think there's there, there's distrust between everybody there. Wondering what the fuck. You know, does she know? You know, she's like, do, do they know? And they're like, does, you know, what's she going to do now? Because is she bad? Is she good? Like what? I still am unclear as to what's going on with her. Well, they want to deputize her. And, yeah, they uh, deputize. I want to deputize the law. <laughs> temporarily. Deputize Diane. So, all right. <laughs> so and then she immediately asks, what's in it for me? And then Albert says, well, you know, some cash, but maybe the satisfaction of finding out what happened to your old friend. And that's who he yeah, called Cooper that? friend, her old friend Cooper. And then she says, "Let's rock." I loved. It. <laughs> she makes a little. I liked how she gesture. did it. Yeah, she yeah. does the little, zzz, and the music goes zonk. Like it makes like a cool Lynchian. I love that. That was great. I was yeah, like, that might cheering. also have been a cue from Firewalk with me, but uh, I loved that. I, I thought the scene was great. It was a great opening. And, but when uh, I was saying like "Let's rock" and cheering or everything, I was like, it felt like okay, I'm cheering for Diane, who's like a good guy and going to join the team. Like, but she's not a good guy. What? It's just very confusing. What's going on with her? Right. No, it it, uh, it is definitely like confusing because we have one other scene with Diane. If you want to talk about it right now, it's just a, it's it's really the last scene of the episode before we go to the roadhouse and she's back at the bar in a different outfit, but I'm assuming it's still the same night. And um, well, no, actually, it snowed in. It's almost like they missed their plane or something <laughs> and had a day layover in the in the hotel. But isn't it like out. late September? Isn't it like September thirtieth <laughs> yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. actually, there's two other scenes with Diane, right? Because Diane gets a text message that just says Las Vegas question mark, or I don't even know if it had a question mark. And then she replies, "They haven't asked me about Las Vegas yet, or they haven't asked me yet." Um, and then that's referred to by Albert uh, when he visits Cole, um, when he has his, uh, do you want to talk about that scene right now? When he has uh, a mystery guest in his uh, little bungalow there? Uh, yeah, well, is that the next scene? Or are we jumping forward? No, okay, well, yeah. Well, I mean, let's just talk about that scene right now. We don't have to go, you know, in chronological order. But let's get, you know, the, the Buckhorn uh, scenes out. So Cole... Um, is with so we open with Cole telling a story it was very similar to a story in the original series when Cole was with Shelley wooing Shelley in the double R, at the double R in a booth and he was talking about some you know kind of like you know dramatic moment that he was kind of leading the charge and here he is again telling another <laughs> very similar story to a, a, you know another attractive woman um, and then the, the the door knocks and Albert comes. Was in it like he, fifty men? Like against five? You know, he's making this huge tall yeah, tail. climbing the, the mountain tail. and yeah, yeah. guns drawn. Yeah, and, uh, he's the and, Al the story, yeah. and Albert enters and says that we, you know, you know, can you just tell your you know friend to you know maybe you know leave the room for a second and then why don't you like continue the scene? You know, uh, 
after that. Uh, because... Well, I mean, what what does he do? He just asks her to leave, right? And, and uh, yeah, but we, we spent how about, many minutes? I don't know that. I don't know the turnip joke, but I love the turnip joke. He makes a joke about something. Oh, that's later on. But he just he says you've got to go, and so she is a beautiful woman that he must have met in the bar. I think is what we learn about later, and uh, it takes her like three minutes to leave, you know, and that's he's watching her and <laughs> she's putting on her lipstick and she's getting everything all situated and kind of objectifying this woman, you know, as this gorgeous woman and they're but they're tasteful just watching it and it's like a another one of the the long duggy type scenes where you're seeing an elongated version of and of course you know she, you ask a beautiful woman to leave a hotel room at midnight or whatever she's gonna take a few minutes to leave so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but, she goes uh, and leaves and he's she's i mean cole is definitely i thought he was with tammy but he's quite the lothario it seems like so yeah but don't you think that's kind of a mistake on lynch's part as the cole creating him as a lothario it's it's but comical. i think it's funny i think it's funny I, I'm, it makes me laugh you know well, some of it does, yeah. I mean, I loved the turnip joke. I mean, that was hilarious. Like he basically Even this way, dude. He's totally he can retire anytime he wants to. He's so he's like he's just going around the country on the government dime, picking up chicks and just having a good time. <laughs> he's staying extra nights over, like charging up the the expense bill. So he's just uh, yeah. I think it's funny. I think it's supposed to be played for comedy. Well, it reminded me a little bit of the even though it wasn't cold. It reminded me of the scene in Firewalk with Me where Desmond and Stanley are at uh, Hap's diner. And they're talking to Irene about Teresa Banks, and there's this other patron at the uh, at the diner, and he's this older man, and he has this very young, attractive French woman sitting next to him, and he says, "Are you talking about that little girl that got murdered?" And then she starts cooing in his ear something French. It's just this older man with this young, hot French woman in this small podunk town in, in Washington State. It kind of reminded me of that. And then Cole's like uh, explanation of who this like French girl is um, also kind of reminded me of Firewalk With Me when he was describing Lil to Desmond and Stanley, like, you know, she's my mother's sister's girl, because he explained that the French girl, like, yeah, I couldn't her mother, her. she came here looking for, like, someone is missing. And her daughter, uh, it was, her daughter's mother, yeah, it was very confusing, the story. I, I didn't she's know. a turnip, or it's like a, I can't remember if it was a turnip farm. No, he goes, like, turnip. something like, I hope she'll turn up, or something, there was a joke about Well, that was the, the punchline. Yeah, turning yeah, up, right. and I laughed out loud, <laughs> but Albert didn't laugh, and uh, he goes, like, she didn't laugh either, <laughs> which made me double laugh, so I thought that was a pretty funny top of that scene yeah i just think the pacing i just think it, it was, was a little superfluous uh, we don't need it but uh, it, you know, was, hey, it was there so it I was off it. and uh it just uh, too it was just drawn out just like the audrey scene i think it was drawn out a little too much it, it wasn't excruciating but basically that whole scene the you know the information that we need in that scene is the information that we already know from diane's text we just saw it so basically we spend five minutes of screen time. Well, it's also a repeat of episode 10 where he came in and did the same thing, giving pieces of information. That's true. Diane, so yeah. it's another repetition. Of but at that. least that had Cole going to the door and seeing the you know image of Laura Palmer. Well, dude, we saw the we saw the gold shovels for like the third time in this episode. So he's all about repetition, man. He's just well, no, and he's all about the doubles and the triples. There's obviously some triple motifs, always some double motifs. All this going he in He gave there, a little I devilish just... smile. Like Lynch gave a little <laughs> little mischievous <laughs> smile in this episode where I was like, he knows. Like you were saying, you think he might know that he's trolling the audience, but that's what he's doing. Well, I never bought into that. It. Yeah, I never bought into that until this episode. Do you, yeah, do you yeah, think yeah, he is it, now? Well, it just is seemed it? like this is the first time that I felt because there were these that scene and the Audrey scene felt just really, really, really deliberately like paced and just elongated and spaced out when there's just not a lot of information uh, being given. And this scene with the French girl um, wasn't as, I won't say it's painful, but uh, because the other scene obviously had Audrey and it was we had not seen Audrey before. But um, I just think that I, for me, it just seems like, you know, even though if it's established that Cole is kind of a ladies man, that to actually, I'd rather just have that scene with Albert in the car in part six where you hear Cole and some like woman pouring him a drink than actually see a woman in his hotel room and, and yeah, you know, have it true. play out that way. That's just my opinion. But, um, but yeah, let's go back to the. It wasn't uh, unpleasant to watch though. <laughs> it wasn't, no, 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 it wasn't unpleasant. <laughs> I enjoyed it, yeah. It, it wasn't just, it, it was just, 
It, it was it was just the, the well. Way- it's, you know what it is? It's like he's like James Bond. Like the whole the plane's about to crash into the building, right? Everyone's freaking out. We only have a few episodes left, and he's like serving drinks in the back, like having fun, making jokes. <laughs> he knows he's gonna do it. Right. He's just making us wait for it. <laughs> well, let's go back to the actual like you know uh, beginning of the story. We'll go through the scenes that uh, um, we missed, and after uh, the Buckhorn is we go to um, Twin Peaks and we see the great Jerry Horn. Escaping, yes, finally, just running, the woods, like, running, <laughs> emerging from like the woods. George Clooney and like Turturro and like Oh Brother uh, Where Art Thou or something right. like over the hill and Dale. It was a beautiful shot of the Twin Peaks mountains and he just comes busted. But look, he's probably been lost in the woods, right? Here he is in a clearing. He's finally free. Maybe that's what the implication is. He's finally out of the woods. Well, no, I think that's it. I think that exactly it. But I would think that I, I was thinking that what he was experiencing was kind of what you know some of like our characters, whether it was Dougie. Maybe on Candy, some you know, to a lesser extent, we don't know how relevant her role is. What they're kind of experiencing, like this kind of disorientation, and he was kind of like you know, you know, for for, our, for the audience seeing Jerry in the woods, this disorientation. So I thought ultimately, when he you know got out of the woods or was found, that it would have some kind of a resonance. Um, so I was thinking that after he did emerge from the woods, that we would get either a callback scene or, or have someone find him or he would go someplace. But he did just emerge from the woods, but we didn't feel, at least for me, there wasn't any kind of epiphany. There wasn't any kind of... Uh, I thought for a second uh, we were going to see like a flash of like 800 woodsmen chasing him out of the woods. <laughs> like, but that's it. It's just like, a little flash. Right. <laughs> yeah. cool. Like the Raiders of the Lost Ark scene in the, yeah, the beginning yeah. when just Harry like Ford that, was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I thought there was... And then I think we go... And it, like you said, I agree. It was the, the mood of that scene with the clouds. And I think you can see the breath escaping from his mouth when he's running and he, he falls down. But yeah, we go great. right into... Um, I think a like some kind of little like mart of some sort, and we're uh, reintroduced to uh, Sarah Palmer, who's yes. uh, <laughs> pushing her cart down the uh, liquor aisle. And uh, did you notice when she spotted her vodka, the little kind of like you know kind of uh, smile that uh, briefly yeah. flashed across her face? Yeah. And I thought then, she was gonna, I thought they're going to keep pulling out one another after another <laughs> after another like a right, clown car. Yeah. Right. But she, and then she did her disappointment the thing, after time. three bottles, and that was it. That was it. So yeah, that was it. Going, yeah. And then she goes to pay for her booze after asking for a carton of Salem's, and something about the the jerky beef, right? And that's yeah, where jerky places, beef. But uh, yeah, that this is compelling to her. And I try. I was looking. I rewound it. I was trying to see if she could see something. Did you see anything? She was no, out. it was beef jerky and it was uh, uh, turkey jerky, right? Turkey jerky or whatever. And then I think she was yeah. referencing the turkey. Is that new? And I think the girl was saying like, yeah, and it's like, it's not beef. It's, it's made, made from turkey. And then the music. Wasn't there a turkey in the corn on the living on the living map last week? The turkey in the corn, I heard. <laughs> Maybe the was there? Corn. No, yes. I know there was the corn, but, <laughs> but you saying that makes me think of Fire Walk With Me when Laura visited James um, for a little rendezvous. <laughs> Your favorite scene, right? Your favorite Laura Palmer yeah. scene. Yeah. Gobble, gobble, she's like, you know, she's gone like a turkey in the corn. And yeah. so that's, yeah, that's, I don't know, but I just think that something was happening within Sarah and we, we got the cue. And I was hoping, I was actually, I actually got down on my knees at some point. Actually, I didn't, but I was hoping that we would get that kind, that callback from Firewalk with me, and I think it was like it, uh, the the Teresa Banks when she was uh, when Desmond and Stanley were um, uh, in the autopsy room, and they you know looked found the the letter under her fingernail. This sound design that Lynch yep, created, yep, yep. sort of like going into like yeah, like old school. Twin that was design. that's one of my favorite sound, sound designs sound. Yeah. that Lynch has created. And I was hoping that he would he would incorporate it into the new series, and of course he hasn't up to this point. And so I'm getting that, and I'm getting like the tingles all over. And Sarah, it's almost like you know schizophrenia. She starts talking. Do you remember exactly what she said? Because she was like, "Were you here no, when they first yeah, came?" When he, yeah, when they first came, which was like, "Uh oh, they're in a convenience store when they first came." And then he said, she said something like, "They're coming, or they're, the men will be here, right?" Like she's yeah. Uh, I think she says your uh, like your room seems different. And, and men are coming and you have to watch out 
and it was just done in such a bizarre way and then she seems to kind of catch herself and i think she says like like sarah like stop it or sarah yeah, you're don't. going out and walk out here she's trying to sarah walk out of here but she get in the car get her get in the car sarah get the car keys the car keys get the yeah, goddamn the car keys <laughs> the teenagers are baffled but they know who she is obviously they like I could, I could deliver to her house because she didn't break she just left her groceries there right so uh yeah that was a great scene man we kind of thought sarah was coming back so here it is and she's tapped into like it seems like i mean do you think that was a you know some sort of uh, allusion to like the convenience store or the woodsman no. She's having some sort of vision of that, like in the men that are coming. Who who is that? Well, I mean, is I it everybody? Remember, we talked about like that's basically we have every bad guy in the world coming. <laughs> we have the Ghost Monster and Bob and Mister C, and you know we have a whole a whole gang coming. So maybe she just sees storms on the horizon of death. Well, let's talk about since it's not uh, the next scene, but since Sarah has one other scene, let's just talk about that because I'll I'll kind of go into your your, your question there is that um, I think not the next scene but maybe another scene or two scenes later Hawk Deputy Hawk where you actually see um, you know a, a kind of a transition shot establishing shot of the mountains and we hear Laura Palmer's theme which we've, he we've heard a couple times earlier in the series and then we see um, Hawk pull up in front of the Palmer house and it's an overcast Ooh, day chills, <laughs> great great like ambiance great mood he gets out he knocks on the door but before he when he gets out Lynch cuts to um, I'm assuming it was Laura's bedroom and her bedroom door was open and you saw the ceiling fan going. Yes, the ceiling fan, dude. That was a creepy fucking ceiling fan, man. And then he you saw it from the outside, like peeking through just a little crack yeah. of it, a little bit. And then you saw a shot of it on the inside. And, that, and it looked like it was like electrified. It was or something. It had a different. It was looked different. It, it looked, looked like a CGI ceiling fan to me. Yeah, it didn't look yeah. real, but it really evoked this uh, ominous feeling. Dread. This dread. Like there's some dread going on inside that house, dude. And Sarah, you know, after Hawk knocks, Sarah opens the door, and you know, and uh, and Hawk's basically like, "Well, hello, Sarah. I just uh, came to check on you. Something." He's, yeah, I think he mentioned, you know, we're, you know, uh, we've got like an old case that uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he referenced. I thought of an you, old... yeah, another case, and I thought of you, like so right. I, I thought to of lead you, into that, gently. right? And then she, um, don't didn't you something like you heard like it sounded like her liquor bottles and. In the Something may like have some weird fucking creepy sound. He's like, what's that in there? So you got someone in there with you? And she's like, oh, no, no. And then she's like, I got something in the kitchen, you know. But it sounded weird. That's what I mean. I think there's a rumbling going on in Sarah's house because she was pressing. He's pressing her. He goes, I, you know, I heard about what happened. She's like, yeah, but you came down here because of the, the liquor store thing or the, the convenience store incident. He's like, yeah, well, everyone's just really worried about you, you know. And then she says, like, what does she say? Like God, she's got a I great guess, line at yeah, the what end. What is the line? Says, it is so good. She goes, "It's a goddamn bad story." No, it's better than that, dude. It's like a, she, it's a oh. goddamn story. So, how does she say it? It's I not thought she said it's a goddamn bad story, Hawk. It's a goddamn. But no, it's like I think story. it's like another. It's a goddamn bad story we're in, or huh? some 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 kind of bad story or something. It was really creepy and sad. And like, dude, you just saw all the like decades. I mean, what agony this woman's been left in. You know, so you saw the pain in her, but it also made me think that I don't think she's going to be helping anybody trying to solve any fucking cases. It seems like she may have some goddamn woodsman in her fucking kitchen right now. Like something's <laughs> well, happening. do you think that, um, I, I mean, I thought about this on the second viewing since that kid at the you know, uh, grocery store said that he knew he knows where she lives and he would deliver the, the groceries that maybe he was the one like he had actually delivered the groceries and that was what that noise was or maybe there was some trouble in the kitchen because when hawk said what's that sarah was like you know it wasn't just like normal like oh nothing yeah it was she was like a she villain was like hide oh, something oh yeah she looked very suspicious and guilty you know? very suspicious but i mean i think if the kid had you know gone over to sarah's house i don't think he walked over there like he would have had a bicycle or you know moped or something and we didn't see that outside but there is something i think that ceiling fan shot is supposed to mean there's some weird shit going on inside no i agree i agree and we always associated the ceiling fan with bob right electricity and i mean bob would inside the house the portal or whatever it is that do you think bob if he there's, was there's a portal in that house dude other well, either with the painting or through the ceiling fan, I totally agree. But since it, we don't know if Bob was extracted from Mr. C during part eight. But if he was, do you think that 
you know, his spirit, if he doesn't have another host, has returned to Twin Peaks since everything else, all of our other narratives are leading back to P- Twin Peaks. Like, you know, with yes, the, I think so. And, and somehow, yes. where, like, where would he else would he go? <laughs> well, Bob, Bob could go anywhere, right? Yeah, Bob. Come on, where else would he go? Come on, Rio. He'd go we're to Rio. A party. Yeah, we're all here. We're all having a big reunion. He's going to show up for sure. Yeah, there's something. Yeah, and that's what I loved most about this episode. It was the Sarah scenes and just how a wonderful performance. But her, you know, schizophrenic, you know, behavior, almost like you know, there's. Two, there's two people within her, and she catches whoever well, dude, that she second do, like, person is. Dale Cooper, didn't she do some like serious, like schizophrenic talking in the final episode of season two? No, she does. Two? I mean, she's a she's a seer. You know, she's <laughs> yeah. a seer. So she's got a lot of personalities. In but her, she's she's troubled, yeah, for sure. And I don't know what's going on in that house, but I would rather spend sixty minutes, you know, in in that house. Um, because it's just so utterly fascinating, her character, and just so tragic, too. I mean, obviously, Leland and, and Laura, and we've seen what she's become. Um, I, I just I just hope we spend more time with her, because it, it's just... So she kind of slammed the door in Cox's face before he had a chance to talk about Laura's... I uh, didn't think it was maybe... A after she said it's a goddamn bad story. Yeah. <laughs> God, some kind of goddamn bad story we're in. Like, that was such a great acting thing. I thought that she's was... She's fantastic. Really she's always been great. Um, so we'll, we'll, I think, go in further with the, the Sarah. Yeah, we're going back to the Palmer household, I think. Oh, for sure. Of that. Yeah, for sure. So, dude, the Harry Dean Stanton scene, Carl Rod, just a little, little, little like, little vignette, but I love this scene. Um, and you compared him Saint to Carl. Jesus, right? Yeah, he's like St. Carl. He's going Saint out Carl. doing good deeds. He's, a good, he's like the best guy in town, this guy. You know, he looks kind of rough. It doesn't seem kind of grumpy. You know, <laughs> smokes a lot of cigarettes. You wouldn't think he's going to be an honorable dude, but he's this honorable type guy. So he's trying to help out one of his friends or a guy that works or lives at his uh, trailer park who is donating blood just to eat, you know. And so he, uh, you can explain the scene, but I thought it was a really good scene. Well, there wasn't much that, you know, unfolded. I think the character's name, it's an older man with a cane, and uh, Lynch loves his uh, disabled characters. And I think his name was Chris Cole. And he just basically, the scene consisted of Harry Dean asking him a series of questions of of Crystal basically doing all of these like little you know jobs and not getting paid for it and having to donate blood and and Harry Dean finally gives him fifty bucks and tells him hey look next month's uh, rent is gratis it's free and don't be given any blood people shouldn't be given blood for you know you shouldn't be giving blood and doing all these other things and it was a little just two minute scene just fantastic every scene Harry Dean has been in has just been great and you're right he really is. Like a Saint Carl, he really is one of the few characters in Twin Peaks that we've seen in this new series who really is like an empath. You know, he really is caring and, and helping other people. An it empath? seems mo- empath. Did I say empath? Yeah, empath. Yeah, yeah. It's that's how they say it in Canada. I'm, I'm kind of just yeah. You know, empathy. I'm, I'm, you know, okay. Empathy. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. But uh, well, like an empath. It's like well, he's empathetic. You know, that's it's a word, right? Empath. It's a word. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Just Keep let me roll with it. Um, so he is one of these few characters in town that is, you know, seemingly concerned or aware of the surroundings and being helpful. And we have people who are selfish, like Shelley with, you know, her, her you know, teenage love affair with, with Red. And we have, obviously, the Sparkle Revolution. We've got Dirty Cops. We have, you know, Little Dickie Horn. We have these Sparkle Queens and these other two characters, you know, at the Roadhouse that we meet. Everyone else is, like, women. consumed by cons- uh, consumerism. Like, Jesse wants to show off this new car, and Andy and Lucy are, like, you know, shopping online for Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Carl is really, and, you know, and Carl, we know Carl has gone places, you know, from Fire Walk With Me. And he obviously saw the spirit of that little boy uh, leave his body after he was, you know, hit by little Dickie Horn. So um, Carl is, is really, he's one of my favorite characters in, in the series. And I'm glad we got a little scene of him. And I hope we see more I think of maybe, him. yeah, I think maybe he may have a pivotal role at some point to do something good. Like he might be, you know, one of the good guys here. They should, you know what they should do? They should invite him to go up to Jackrabbit's Palace. Like <laughs> he, he would be Doc great Hayward. as a guy, right? Give yeah. him a cane. Like and Doc like, Hayward, yeah, bring like, him. Right, bring, yeah. I totally agree. I mean, I, I would like to see like Harry Dean versus the Woodsman. I would like to see. He would probably pull He'd some be kind of. as a Woodsman, yeah. He'd look like he could. Well, he be would be, yeah. yeah. But uh, So I was really good to see uh, Carl Rott, Harry Dean Stan. He's, he's just fantastic. He'll <laughs> go up there and what he'll do, he'll save the day by just giving them a light. And that'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one. That's it. He's the only friend? one, right? You want to be friends with him. You're like, Dougie, yeah. friend? Right. Um, dude, oh, we forgot about the little Dougie scene. 
There's like an eight second scene. I love the scene. Dougie scene. Wasn't it was it Dougie great? two second scene. You go in, Dougie's going to go out with Sonny Jim. We see his backyard for the first time. It's a beautiful day. They go out to play baseball. We knew this is not going to end well. And he just like, you know, tosses a ball and knocks him right in the head. Boom, cut. That's it. <laughs> right. Like a 15 second scene. We've been that used was... to like nine minute scenes. That was great, I thought. Right. That was good. And, and that was our only the only appearance of uh, Kyle McLaughlin in, in the episode. And this is two straight episodes, I believe, C, yeah. with no Mr. C. This is and, weird, uh, but I liked it. It was, it was weird not to see him, Kyle, at all, really, except for that one. Well, hasn't it been? Hasn't it been? I guess it hasn't been three episodes that we haven't seen. The last time we was, saw, Mr. Yeah, he had Cheetos in his hand. The last time we saw Coop or Mr. C, right? He was hopping in the truck. And that was the last time we saw. That him. was the last time we saw. Him, but we saw the photograph um, that Tammy brought Cole and Albert of him in New York ten? City, and that was in ten, right? So we haven't seen Coop since nine. Is, is that isn't that correct? I yeah, think I think that's right. I think yeah. that's right. So. Yeah. I mean, really, almost so ten, eleven. Unexpected. That is real. That is unexpected. And I, I, for me, it, 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 for me, it hurts the narrative because he is, I think, one of the most potent characters in, in the series. Obviously, it's Kyle McLaughlin, but it's Cooper's doppelganger. It's Mr. C, and uh, um, I, I would rather have have him on camera than off camera. So hopefully, I, and I fully expected him to be in this episode. But obviously he wasn't. So um, my well, it's guess like we is... languished. We languished. We we just like enjoyed ourselves with a lot of characterization and these moments that were just like you know, like it just it was weird that it wasn't. He didn't spend the time with like in Twin Peaks with the characters in Twin Peaks that we all still want to know so much about. He spent it all in Buckhorn. <laughs> we never expected. That's what I mean. Every week we never know what he's going to do. This is a complete shock and surprise. But uh, yeah. Well, that's, really, that's I mean, we spent. I would guess that we spent the the majority of time in Twin Peaks. I mean, we. We really had just the really the the twenty second scene in Vegas with Dougie and Sonny Jim, and we had a couple of Buckhorn scenes or three Buckhorn scenes that maybe totaled like you know twelve fourteen minutes, and then I think the rest of the episode was in Twin Peaks. So this was I think more of a, a predominantly Twin Peaks centric episode. I think though a lot of people were wanting to have the momentum with Becky and you know Bobby and the whole continue I agree. that I think and they I agree. just cut that off. So I didn't I agree. mind, it, but uh, yeah, so. Well, that's what you get when you have, uh, you know, a, a story that has so many characters. I think there was 217 people on the cast list, and I think there was even more that had been added to that. And it's just a sprawling narrative. So it was inevitable. Um, and, you know, we'll see at the end of the road. I mean, I, this is, I still feel that this is a masterpiece. I love the show. I love I love the series. And uh, I, But really, there, it, that's really been my biggest complaint other than some of the the glacial pacing at times it's that you know these these stories they're, they're more vignette they're more like vignettes and i do find it interesting isn't it, Lynch isn't it kind of isn't it kind of nice though to like have a week where like we didn't have to just completely like have our minds melted with like you know new information like this is a week where it's almost like a it almost felt like a network television episode of twin peaks if it had come back and been on abc again it was just kind of like it was kind of relaxing <laughs> It's like hanging out in the Twin mind, Peaks universe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I relaxed, want my please. mind melted like every episode. Yeah. Every possibly. every week, but your mind? Yes. Does you need a week to you know, take a breath? No, I want melted yeah. brains every week. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and right, like well, what said, happened next in the story? I, we can, I don't want to bog you down with complaining about it. We can continue to complain. No, about I'm it. not. Com- I, this is all. I mean, constructive. I mean, I, I, yeah, I am the biggest like Lynch fan. I mean, well, I mean, there's you know millions, but or thousands. Um, I'm huge and I love it, you know, but there are certain things that, you know, obviously that I feel, um, and, and I mean, you, you were like, you know, part 10, you, you had some reservations about some things and I was like, Hey, you know, get, you know, don't, uh, yes, and I was know, completely wrong. I should never get off the ledge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But, um, okay. So getting back to the story, um, we had, um, a scene with, um, Chantal and, and Hutch who we hadn't seen since, uh, well, we had only seen Tim nine. Roth as, as, since part nine. So we now see them. <laughs> this was a little short scene. I don't necessarily think it was, you know, um, relevant. That I mean, it would have been fine for me to have it off camera because it's them killing Warden Murphy. But I, I thought the scene played out great. I thought it was great. I loved the dialogue. You want to talk about the... The, is it the Wendy's? Was that well? The, no, she's the yeah. Thing? We, we passed Wendy's, like you know. She, she's like, I'm not gonna be able to torture him because I'm hungry. <laughs> and he's like, Well, right. wait, I could just shoot him in the legs, and then you can torture him in the car on the way to Wendy's. She's like, I'm hungry, and he's like, All right. So it's just kind of like a couple just talking about the average how they're gonna get dinner, and just casually getting the old uh, sniper rifle together, and then there comes Duncan and uh, going to his house. And, uh, and he no, that was ca- Ward Murphy. That was Warden. That Murphy. was Warden Murphy. Oh no way! I you thought didn't that was know Duncan. that. <laughs> 
No. Oh, dude, yeah, that was that was uh, that was that Warden was Warden Murphy. Murphy. All right, well, so yeah. it's Warden Murphy. So he tags Warden Murphy, and uh, the kid comes down. Oh no, Daddy's dead! And so uh, he just does his good. It's like next stop, Wendy's. Let's go. Right. Next stop, next Wendy's. Stop, Wendy's. Wendy's. That, that was, was great. great. That was yeah. But uh, him killing Warden Murphy, and if you noticed, um, I believe he shot him twice. I think he shot him through the back the first time, and he was still alive. And then he you know, the kill shot through the head. The effect for me when I watched it was very similar to when Mr. C shot Phyllis. That kind of like little oh, camera really? jump. You, still, you saw some of that? Really? Yeah, so, it, which makes me think that, you know, because it's not like, I, I assume that maybe there was more to Phyllis than meets the eye because of that little camera trickery that Lynch did when, when Mr. C plugged her. But I, I, I really believe that there was something very similar and it looked like when Ray shot Mr. C, there was also something similar when the gun went off. So maybe this is just a motif, like a visual motif that, that Lynch is using. But I found it very curious that he shoot Warden Murphy and then poor Warden Murphy's son or grandson, probably son, opens the door and finds his father, you know, dead, you know. And, and it, that, I mean little touch there yeah, but that's gruesome, yeah. very gruesome very very gruesome but uh well he makes the yeah. audience look at that and go oh and be desensitized and laugh when they go let's go to win next stop wendy's and we all laugh right. and so that's the desensitization that lynch is making us not care about that kid yeah but lynch has been doing that in his film since the very beginning i mean that that's right. that's nothing new so that's just a, he where he combines you know the gruesome with you know kind of like the absurd and that's just his personality i think he he does have kind of a darker personality it's like hitchcock i mean hitchcock like he's i think if you asked hitchcock what his favorite movie is he would say the trouble with harry even though obviously you know vertigo psycho much of all hitchcock i like the trouble with Harry because it was like the i think he got carte blanche and it was the only time he really did kind of like a black comedy and that movie from beginning to end was hitchcock's like you know like sense of humor and it was it's a sense of humor that like i think is rare or is not very popular and I think Lynch shares a similar sensibility. And he's never, you know, flat out done something like that. I think he's done it with, like, the Dumbland series. But he's never done, like, a film or a television show. So I think some of these scenes, you know, evoke, you know, Lynch's more, you know, his darker, you know, sensibility or sense of humor. But um, so then we had that scene with Chantal and Hutch. And then I believe we all, then, then we had another scene with Dr. Amp. And Nadine, why don't they just go, you know, dude, there's something with these two, right? Yeah, I mean, what's going on? They should call yeah. each other. They should test. <laughs> should <do that. laughs> well, wasn't a lot of this footage recycled? Yeah, that's what I mean. We're seeing this again. Like, what's going on? Like, I feel like the world's starting to melt. Or we're getting our parallel dimensions. Or I don't know what's happening because we're seeing repetition, uh, which we've seen with Dougie's, you know, storyline. So, but this is a repetition of stuff we've seen with Dr. Amp, the entire, I mean, we've seen that two or three times. We've seen it in the whatever episode the first time we saw it, that we saw it in someone else's computer another time on AD. I don't know, but it seems like we've seen that three times with Dr. Amp. No, it's, it's been, it's been three times. And I, I think it's been recycled footage and some of the dialogue. I mean, the opening is, is, is definitely recycled. It's 7 o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? And I think even the I think this might be a Frost thing. Like this, I mean, he's really, you know, getting into the political. Maybe he's really serious. Like that's what this is Frost. Oh, I agree with that, but but the direction of it and using like the, the he should like really like address Trump or something if he's gonna do it like go ahead and like put him in there like to basically to make these uh, rants have some more of a meaning I think for me would be better because we're seeing it just feels like the same thing he's saying the same thing just in a different way well yeah but I think they wrote and shot the, the whole series before the you know the Trump you know, experience happen. So I think that if, if they had done it, you know, well, I guess now, I, I would want him to do more it. than, yeah, I guess I'd want him to do more than like, just ask people to buy a shovel, like try to get him to like take action or I don't know what he would do. Like the Hardy boys, maybe get out there and take Yeah, but we, I mean that, that was just take another street. It was the, filthy. <laughs> the first time was great. I love neighborhood the, watch group. Yeah. Something. <laughs> what with the gold shovel? <laughs> yeah. The spark code zombies take down the neighborhood. Yeah. They need to like, it's, they need to activate. Yeah, but it's just, it, it, with it being so similar and, and using recycled footage, um, for me, it, it, it's, it's harder to focus on the scene. I, I would much prefer, much rather prefer, like, you know, additional footage. If you're going to show, you know, Dr. Amp, Jacoby. Which part was exactly recycled, do you think? Besides well, I think the commercial the, part. Well, I think the opening was completely recycled. You know, it's 7 o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? 
What's on your minds tonight? You know what I'm going to talk about. It was the same opening. He's wearing the same outfit. I think it was the same footage. I think we the do the name- same opening on this show every time. You got a problem with that? <laughs> I, <laughs> have you not got my notes? You got nothing to I've say. Sent yeah. you notes. I've sent you notes. Um, and I think you even the AD, switch it up. I think Dr. Ant needs to switch it up. We need to switch it up. But uh, point taken. I'll look at your note. No, you're, no. Really, you're really driving the point home with this. You hate the repetition of Jacoby, but I didn't mind it. I was just like, you know, hey, here we go. So it was just kind of like I felt like today, this episode, I was just like kind of going over to friends' houses in Twin Peaks, like, hey, Ben, like, hey, how's it going, everybody? I was kind of saying hello to everybody. <laughs> Not much happened, Carl. Hey, how you doing? Like, but it was just kind of enjoyable hour, <laughs> just to kind of hang out. Yeah, but it's Peaks. part it's twelve out of eighteen. We only have six hours left, so. Um... I mean, it's funny. he's gonna de- he's gonna he's gonna say he's gonna save the plane. The plane's not gonna crash into the mountain. He's oh, of course it's. Not. I'm not saying that it is. I just time. think that I just I had certain issues, obviously, that we're discussing. Uh, but the Nadine too, the Nadine cutaways are, I think, recycled footage. But I think she had one line, an additional line, um, that was new. So it wasn't all like completely recycled. It was just, and for me also, I think that this scene preceded the introduction of Audrey and um, the way that they introduced Audrey I believe it was the ending of the Dr. Amp scene and then we're in a room and we don't know where we are and there's a slow tracking shot and then we just see Audrey in the frame and then the camera passes by I her. cheered yeah I was like I yelled it out yeah it was finally Audrey I mean I've, I've loved Audrey so let's let's dive into this, this scene yeah yeah so there's a lot of... Yeah, we met her husband. No, like, so yeah, she's in the middle of a crisis. We don't know what's going on, but I was very excited to see her. She was like still Audrey. She's obviously gotten older, but she still had the spunk, and she felt like Audrey in her, in her character. I didn't really necessarily like the length of this scene, but I liked seeing her, and I liked what was going on here. I, did, I, I am perplexed like you about the length of it and about what was really going on and the relevancy of introducing... It seemed like that they at least named four or five different characters we've never heard of before so it was a little confusing but uh hey it's fan service hey we've been waiting i bet everybody i bet a lot of people are less angry with this scene than uh, or maybe do you think that all the audrey fans out there are pissed off at the scene or are they just happy to see her well i think i think everyone's like happy to see her but i think that no one would have been able to expect that this would be the introduction and then she would be in this situation that she's in and react the way that she is i mean she i mean there's so much i mean we could devote so much time to the Audrey character because, you know, obviously we haven't seen her up until now. We know, like, the last time we did see her was, you know, when the blank the bank blew up, and then we got some information that she was in a coma, and that you know, Mr. C visited her, visited her in ICU. There's been all this rampant speculation that little Dickie Horn is possibly, more likely, probably her son. And then here we have a scene where none of that is referenced, none of that stuff. And, and I, I although Ben Horn mentions it. earlier in an earlier scene, he mentions that uh, you know little Dickie Horn did not grow up with a father. So uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that scene next. We're going to talk about the the Ben Horn Truman scene next. But um, with with the Audrey scene, um, it, it, for me, like the actual performance, there there were uh, there were uh, similarities. Obviously, I, I saw it's like this. Obviously, is the same character from the original series, and there were moments where I, I saw that, that, that performance or that, that, that person, that character. But at other times, it felt like her performance was very similar to her one scene in Wild at Heart, where, which was one of my favorite scenes in that film. I love that film, but I love that, that scene where she's you know the girl who was in the accident when Sailor and Lula come upon her, and she's concerned about finding her purse and her bobby pins, because she's making these just these, these accusations at, at, at her husband, and telling him that she's fucking someone else and that she's going to break the contract and she's really kind of abrasive and loud and uh, it just but we have no context of it and here's this 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 guy you know her her husband and you know apparently they've got some kind of contract and he's talking about how tired he is she wants to go to the roadhouse to find billy billy's gone missing and tina's the last person to see her and you know she might be married to somebody might be billy Chuck. Zane for a second might be billy zane billy's <laughs> billy zane but Jack um, justice wheeler <laughs> and then and then right and then uh and then charlie her husband who i think now we know part 13 i think is entitled what story is that, Charlie? And I'm assuming it's Char- it's her husband, Charlie, because the end of this scene, after 10 minutes and 37 seconds, the summation of the scene, um, he 
makes a phone call to Tina, and he's on the phone for a couple of minutes, and he gets some very disturbing information, and he doesn't communicate that to Audrey. Well, tell Audrey she gets really pissed off. Yeah, it's like she gets really tell, pissed off. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't tell her, but I thought I like the end of this scene. I thought it was great the way he wouldn't tell her. I enjoyed the way it ended. It was a little bit too long for my taste. But, well, you yeah. know what? I, I the um yeah, it, was, it, it certainly went on way way too long. But um, when he when the phone call finally ended, he was so. Like deliberate and putting that phone back on the it's cradle. Kind of scary. He can look. Scary. It reminded me of uh, Senior Drill Cup. Yeah. And uh, when he was like, "It's hung up. It's hung." When he put to put the phone on the it's cradle and after Cooper yeah. shot, yeah. he had bare, trouble bare, getting it on. Takes like so it was very similar. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm glad we that saw. That kind of creeped me out. That guy was a weird dude. What do you think about the husband? It's, I mean, that's a big shock is to see that she's married to this guy who's older, who's like, and, I don't know what he looks like, but you would never think that uh, he would be Audrey's husband. Like she's somehow indentured to him, you know, and uh, that's not good news. She's also well, living in Twin Peaks. We thought she might be living somewhere else. I agree. So yeah. All, yeah. She's still got a temper. She didn't seem, she's still a spoiled. <laughs> It seems like she went from one, you know, like father to the next. You know, it seems like that this guy has been, you know, floating her. And now, for whatever reason, their relationship is disintegrated and she's cheating on him with this other dude. So I guess we're going to get next episode more of Audrey, you know. Uh, well, yeah, I think we're obviously we're not done with Audrey, but it did remind me. Eventually, she needs to find bit. out that her, her son is, you know, wanted for murder. Eventually, I think she'll have to hear about that, right? If, if he's her son. I mean, it could be, like I think you mentioned, possibly. Um, Donna, if she is a horn, oh, that would be weird. Yeah, it, it could possibly. <laughs> <quite a> curveball. <laughs> yeah, but the, the the scene did remind me a little bit of the scene in part seven, I believe, of uh, Ashley Judd's character Beverly when she goes home to her husband, who's who's ill, and he's kind of asking her these questions, and he's very like docile, and she just lashes out at him. At like you know why are you asking me these questions you know I you know I had to take this job I didn't want to work and so this scene with Audrey and, and her husband Charlie kind of mirrored that for me it was very very similar uh, that the men were in, in kind of like you know docile positions and the females were in were more of the aggressors and and angry and obviously both of them uh, Beverly I think has a you know a thing for Ben Horn I think that's you know um, you know um, true and Audrey obviously admitted that she's having sex with, with someone named Billy. So I, I, that was... It's almost it, like Audrey and Shelly are also like, you know, running around and their kids are like melting down. Their, their kids are completely <laughs> falling apart and they're right, like, you know, doing right. having, living their lives. Uh, yeah. They both seem really mature, immature. Shelly and Audrey both seem like they're still in a state of arrested development, you know, from uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, so, but Audrey a little bit more, you can give her some, some slack. Yeah, who knows what her of, story is? Yeah, we have no idea right. what kind of hell she's been going through. So because of the, you know, like. yeah, who knows what you know? What obviously after the bank explosion, being in a coma, we don't know how long she was in a coma. Oh I mean, yeah, she, I thought I forgot about the whole coma thing. Yeah, she's she been in a coma for ten years, fine. probably yeah, not. But yeah. we, I mean, I, yeah, she looks fine, but we don't know what what's happened to her. And and obviously, all maybe this he was the doctor, Chuck, or what's her, her Charles? Who's her husband? Charlie. Name? Maybe Charlie was Doctor Charlie, the one that saved her. <laughs> That's straight out of days of our lives, my friend. Um, but all the all the scenes with Ben that we've had, he's he's never mentioned Audrey. That was one of the reasons why that I thought Audrey might be living outside of Twin Peaks. I would assume that 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 you know he would mention her. I didn't think that she'd still be working at the Great Northern. But the scene with Sylvia and Johnny, we've got Jerry. I thought there would be some mention of Audrey if, if she was living in town. But but who knows? That's her. I, I find it fascinating that like her situation. I, that's very interesting. I didn't like how the scene played out, but I'm very curious to see where it's going to go because I still think that her character is going to play some kind of pivotal role in some of these events. I'm not saying like with Cooper saving him or confronting him, Mr. C, I don't know. But I, I think it's going to be more than this little soap opera that she has with, with her husband going on. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Yeah, it was very interesting. We'll see if she, so you, what are the odds that uh, Little Dicky Horn is still the love spawn of Mr. C? Like, who is Little Dicky Horn's father and mother, do you think, right now? They're really stringing that along. Yeah, Let's go into the Ben Horn and, uh, and Truman scene. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it was a great scene. Uh, he brought in, or I guess uh, Truman had to, you know, notify somebody. He does. I don't know where Audrey is. I don't, they weren't asking about the parents, but they were talking. About, uh, he had to come in and tell Ben Horn that Little Dicky Horn is wanted for murder, 
and that Mir- Miriam had been dragged out of the woods, and that this guy is a crazy guy, and uh, your grandson is a murderer, and we're gonna, we're, we're he's wanted man. Um, and Ben <laughs> took it in his classic Ben horn, like lowering <laughs> the head and <laughs> defeat, right? <laughs> Leaning back, in contemplation, right? Uh, but I like the scene. I thought, I mean, it wasn't that it wasn't a big huge scene, but he talked about how uh, Richard never had a father, um, and. Uh, you know, that he was going to pay for Miriam's uh, medical bills and all that stuff. And so that he tells, you know, it was a pretty quick scene with Truman. Truman leaves. Is there anything else about Truman that he's saying? You forgot about the key. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. That was a great scene. He's like, well, interesting you're here because uh, I was going to call you guys because uh, I got this key, uh, which was the major, you know, Agent Cooper's room key. And so he handed it over. He's like, oh, that's interesting. We're just opening a case with Agent Cooper involved. So that was a little serendipity. So I like that little plot point. Um, but then he gets up and leaves and he goes, into, you know, and you know, Truman leaves and then Ben is depressed. <laughs> he's, had a, he's had a hard uh, year. It seems like he's getting a lot of shit thrown at him, you know, but then he go he comes in and it's tells been two Bever- weeks. It's been yeah, two be- weeks. hard two weeks. And then Beverly comes in and, you know, Beverly knows, well, obviously what happened. He, she heard it. And so he starts talking about a little bit about how, you know, Dick never, Dickie had never, Richard never had a father. And then he starts kind of like not being able to deal with that. And he goes into like a reflection about his own father and his own father had given him a Schwinn bike and how it was two tones green. And, you know, he went into a little memory down memory lane talking about, you know, that, and you were mentioning like that, that was him talking about how important fathers were to him, you know, and these, you know, it was, a, it was kind of a poignant scene yeah. and I, I thought it was poignant. And then you cut to Beverly and she's got a little couple tears streaming down, you know? So I liked that. I thought it was a really good scene. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I did too. I thought it was a fantastic, I thought, I love the way that it was lit. And shot. I've loved all of the yeah, nighttime like great northern It was like scenes. the old great northern. Yeah, it really was. And I love the mention of Harry again. I know you know you're not the biggest fan of, of the character and the actor Michael Ankeen, but uh, I love that um, he when he was giving him the key, he goes, "I thought that Harry might like this as a memento." That even Ben Horn, after 25 years, like knows. I think the relationship, you know, that the, the bond that Cooper and Truman had. And uh, it was, I mean, you would think possibly with everything that, that, that Ben Horn, you know, knew about, you know, Cooper and Audrey, that maybe he would want to give Audrey the room key as a memento for Agent Cooper. But I uh, know. <laughs> I don't think he's talking to Audrey. It doesn't seem like him as uh, well, no, a lonely I, guy. Ben seems very lonely. There's something, obviously. So but uh, And that's another reference to Harry. And, and you know, I, I, I'm hoping that. I like that, that too. I thought it was. A two things that maybe there will be. A secret cameo at some point or if we do get a fourth season that the reason why they didn't maybe kill off his character or just not reference him at all was that they would bring him back I think there's a reason why they've mentioned him throughout is that either that he's going to appear or maybe in the future a fourth season that that, that you know he'll have a role but I did love that the, the uh, that his I really loved that bike I mean that was just Ben's been yeah, great. It's classic. Yeah, ben, yeah. Really ben, classic. he's done great. Like Richard Beamer has been had a great role this entire season. He's really he's like eighty years old. That guy. So he's yeah, really he's, and so is uh, you know uh, Harry Dean. They're these guys are old guys out of retirement doing this. Still uh, bringing it. Yeah, 90s, still bringing so. it. Yeah, man. Well, dude, well, and hey, then, uh, keep going. Yeah. Well, so. well, no, we got to talk about briefly about Diane. Is the scene where Diane is the last real proper scene before we go to the Roadhouse? Is Diane's. In Buckhorn, I know we talked a little bit about this before, but we didn't mention this scene. Is Diane is looking at her phone and she's looking at yeah, she's down know, at the bar. She had to get a drink and she got for some reason she's at the bar. It's closed. It's like two in the morning or whatever. Everybody is vacuuming and so she's down there getting us vodka. And sorry, I keep going. I'm just setting the stage for you. Oh no, yeah, she's yeah she's at the bar and she's looking at her phone and it's like a map, you know, like uh, of, of you know the country and she flashes back to the picture <laughs> Albert showed her. And also and, her memorizing it with her mouth, her mouthing it. I was like, Yeah, but you know what she said? What's that? Yeah. She well. said, like, because I, I, I was able to watch for the very first time, I was able to watch the episode yeah, with closed captioning. Co- closed caption. It was co or plus two. So she did some kind of pneumatic thing. Yeah, pneumatic thing. Yes. Yes, pneumatic Nematically, like little, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and then a memory, a memory thing, a memory thing, and then it zooms in on Twin Peaks, and then she's like, obviously, I think you know she never expected it would be Twin Peaks, and I think that her head is like flooded with all kinds of like possible scenarios. Yeah, so great, we have to like really kind of. I, I mean, love that scene. I've that been like 
on the I, I really did too and it was very like moody and then we cut to like the I believe it, it was very dark on, on my screen when I was watching I'm assuming it was the trees with yeah the, the it was little great music. a great shot we've had some great shot I mean this it seems like some heavy shit is coming to Twin Peaks it felt like this episode was just the calm before the storm and like a lot of the exterior shots were particularly dark in uh and uh, imposing looking, you know, like what is out there coming towards us. But uh, yeah, I love. Well, we've had that a few times. And the moon. I mean, we've been seeing that moon constantly. Right. Well, we even mentioned of... like Audrey's Audrey's uh, uh, husband mentioned it's like a new moon out or something like that. What did he mention the moon? Oh, well. I didn't catch that. No, I didn't yeah. catch that. Um, but we've had a didn't couple of times. Didn't someone else mention like someone dreaming? Like, didn't someone dream of? I think there's another mention of a dream. That message. was the Audrey and uh, and and uh, Charlie scene where she said that she dreamed that. Billy was hurt. He was bleeding out of his mouth and his nose. And she was like, well, sometimes dreams come true. Is he missing? Obviously, she's concerned for Billy. Um, she's sleeping with Billy. Um, but And they were going to go find, try to find Billy together, and that's her husband. Very odd. It was very odd. We need to really... Yeah, uh, why do you bring your husband to go find your lover if he's in trouble? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many possibilities with that scene. But I just did want to mention is that the, um, the, um, the, the Diane scene... With uh, that, you know, her getting the coordinates or putting in the coordinates and finding it at Twin Peaks, I've been really on the fence with like, you know, who who is she aligned with? And I mean, obviously, you know, she's uh, got her own agenda, but she really is. Whoever, whether it's Mr. C or it's Jeffries, I mean, she's on she's on the bad side now, right? I mean, she is she's uh, for her own interest. She's got her own end game in sight, or she certainly is a confederate of Jeffries or Mr. C and or Mr. C. And I find that very, that's one of the big surprises in this series um, from when we were first introduced to her and her supposedly or presumably being the victim of Mr. C. And she was maybe going to be the, the impetus to helping the FBI catch up to him and find out that he wasn't really Cooper. And now she's a completely different character. It's, it's really fascinating. I don't know what to think about it yet. So what is the uh, but, question that like he didn't that they didn't ask her you know they haven't asked me yet about you know what was well the, they don't know they don't know I don't think they know about Vegas obviously that's related to Cooper so they don't know that yet and that's where I thought we were going after the momentum of last episode but um, and and Cole even said well we'll figure that one out and uh, now get the hell out of my room Albert I gotta I gotta bring drink some more Bordeaux down. and bring the girl back yeah but uh, the Diane thing is 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 very curious and very interesting and. And we'll we'll go into this more in, in our preview of, uh, of part thirteen later in the week. But uh, then, then our final scene was at the Roadhouse, where another two characters. We don't have to go on this too much, but it, we had Scott Coffee, who's been a Lynch staple. And yeah, drive. <laughs> he, and he was cut out of Wild at Heart. Um, he's always seemed like on the Lynch fringes, and he plays this guy named I think Trick. And it was just just more this conversation between these young Twin Peaks hipsters about things and people that we have really no reference to and then chromatics and then uh, end scene. We're done. Yeah, but we had the, the Scott Coffee. That was comedy. Oh, Scott Coffee, yeah. and What did he say? Like he was attacked or something on the road? Or what, what was his story? No, some guy almost ran him off the road, the headlights, and, and uh, he almost ran into a tree. He's like, you know, if I find that guy, I could kill that guy. And then he's like, I'm really thirsty. I want a beer. And I think, were they drinking Heineken? I want to say they were drinking Heineken, which is obviously <laughs> makes you think that. of... Frank Booth and Blue Velvet. It, I could be wrong, but I thought it was Heineken. And then we find out from one of the girls that uh, he's under house arrest. So it's another character. In yeah, Twin a lot Peaks of like says, hoodlums. Yeah, a lot of yeah. hoodlums hanging around. Juvenile delinquents hanging around Twin Peaks. It seems like these sparkle. Yeah. Are, well, uh, I just want to wrap up with like that. This is like Lynch's loves a continuing story. Like he wanted to do Mulholland Drive as a series and go down all of these different like you know like dream pathways and and not have to resolve anything and i think he's finally the first time really he's able to tell an extended story the way that he really really wants to do it and i think that if he got carte blanche originally with uh, abc with twin peaks that what we're seeing now it would be very similar so I think these scenes, like you know, the Sparkle Queens a couple episodes ago, this scene that we're referencing at the Roadhouse, and any number of scenes that we've been calling these vignettes are just color. They're like you know, there's little little paint on Lynch's canvas, and it's all part of the big picture. But they don't necessarily all tie in. I think our major threads will, and I think we'll get some great resolution with the things that we really want to see. But some of these other little, like these these superfluous scenes, are just that. They're just color on Lynch's canvas and I'm okay with it um, but you know overall I, I just I just wish 
in this this episode. I really wish that you know we would have had a little carried a little bit of the momentum that we had from part eleven. Um, and uh, but I'm sure we'll get that in part thirteen. Well, we didn't see any lodge or anything. You know, that's the thing is, it just was like yeah. a, it was a little just kind of like a palate cleanser. It was a very strange episode, but I liked it. Um, you know, and I think I will continue to watch. I think you will too, <laughs> and I think of everyone course. out there will as yeah. well. So, yes. um, yeah, we hey, we we are we are completely on the Twin Peaks train. We we uh, have been talking to a lot of people on Facebook and Twitter, and so let's keep all the feedback coming. And uh, you know, really, we all have the same theories now, just to keep solving. Like nothing got solved this episode <laughs> and we didn't get a lot of new things happen to uh, think about it seems like so we're going to still be just talking about the same things that are definitely going to come hopefully next maybe we'll get Jack Rabbit's Palace next episode you think? yeah yeah I think that yeah I think either they're gonna like I thought they would maybe go on the expedition like we'd see them taking off for Jack Rabbit's Palace and not get there we might have that next episode or we might just have them you know at Jack Rabbit's Palace but that's going to be a great set piece and I can't wait to see it yeah, I can't either. So, uh, yeah, I'll keep you sending your ideas, your comments, your feedback to choppingwithinside at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and uh, we got some more feet. We got some five stars. Just said that we're finally ranked on iTunes, you guys. Thanks a lot for giving Thank us uh, great feedback. We love it. Uh, keep sending us. You can find us on iTunes, Sound, uh, you know, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, all that good stuff. Um, but, yeah, we'll see you on our preview in a couple of days. Uh, thanks for tuning in.